Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Today, as we, as we had the scripture read to us, uh, we had this story of, of the, tw- the 10 who got healed and the one who came back to Jesus. Um, and, and that's actually our, our lectionary um, gospel text for, for this Sunday. Um, and we've kind of left Luke alone a little bit this, this um, year through the, through the lectionary, um, which is not my standard practice. I like to preach from the gospels gospel texts. So I'm going to have to make it up to Luke um, three years from now when we get back to year C. So I'm just planning on that just to let you know. So don't, don't be offended for Luke, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. Um, but what we have been doing over the course of these last few weeks is looking at the Old Testament text. Um, and specifically at the, the prophet by the name of Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet. And over the course of these weeks, um, it's been cool. It's been, it's been kind of fun to, to hear how his, his ministry kind of works itself out. And we've kind of taken different samples from here. Um, and his ministry spoke to Judah at the time, spoke to the people of Israel at the time, spoke to Jerusalem and what it was going through. And, and it was what the people needed to hear um, in, that, in those moments. But it's also been what we've needed to hear in these moments. It's been what I've needed to hear in, in today's moments in 2022. And so how the Bible comes to life and speaks to us and, and works inside of us uh, is amazing, and it's good, and thanks for, for journeying with us through this time. Today, we're turning arguably to, to one of probably Jeremiah's most famous chapter. Um, the funny thing is, we're not even going to read the famous part. <laughs> it's not even in the lectionary text. And, and when, when, I, when I got the scripture, and I was like, okay, this chapter of Jeremiah, here we go. And then it wasn't in there. I was like, okay, so they saved it for another part of the lectionary cycle. That must be what, what happened. And so I went and did like a by reference listing of all the times that, the, or all the different passages used uh, by the lectionary. And it's not even used. It's not even there. It's not even there. This, this most famous verse, a life verse for many, if you will, um, and the lectionary just kind of skips it. So don't worry, I'm going to squeeze it in today. But, but first of all, we're going to read what the lectionary text says it's supposed to be from Jeremiah 29. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Jeremiah 29. If you have devices um, that you read God's word in, then point it in that direction. Um, and today we're reading Jeremiah chapter 29, starting with the first verse, and then skipping verses 2 and 3, and then reading 4 through 7. Um, Out of reverence for the reading of God's word, I'm going to ask that those who are willing and able, would you please stand as we read together today from Jeremiah chapter 29, a reading from the Common English Bible. 
The prophet Jeremiah sent a letter from Jerusalem to the few surviving elders among the exiles, to the priests and the prophets, and to all the people Nebuchadnezzar had taken to Babylon from Jerusalem. And skipping down to verse 4. The Lord, the heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number there so that you don't dwindle away. Verse 7, promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its welfare. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. By this time in the book of Jerusalem, or sorry, in the book of Jeremiah, people had been carried off from Jerusalem, there it is, into the Babylonian Empire, sent there, exiled. That's not a fun thing. This is not a happy time. For Israel, they were struggling. They were feeling very far from home, feeling displaced, saying, I shouldn't be here. This is not where I belong. They were struggling. And so Jeremiah writes this letter. I always like to look at what are the verses that were skipped. You know, when the lectionary skips some verses, it was verses two and three. They just contain a lot of details and a lot of names that are hard to pronounce. So I was kind of glad that we skipped those today. But, but as we get into what Jeremiah has to say to these exiles, to these people that are displaced from their home and sent away, we first have to understand that, that Jeremiah isn't the only one sending messages to the people in Babylon. For the people in, in, in Babylon, the Israelites that were exiled there, um, others had been sending messages. Others had been prophesying. Others had been telling the Israelites different things. And if you were to turn back a couple of chapters, and, I, and I, maybe you will this week, I don't know, but if you turn back a couple of chapters in chapter 27, uh, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, put a yoke of straps and bars around your neck. Let this serve as a reminder of the bondage that Israel is going to be in. These prophets were were weird kids, right? They were kids that that obeyed God no matter what God said. God said, put put a yoke around your neck, and Jeremiah's like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Walked around with this yoke on his neck for a while. We don't really have good timings in here. But in chapter 28, another prophet, a prophet by the name of Hananiah, comes and says that the Lord will remove this yoke. The Lord is going to set us free. And it says, and this guy's a weird kid too, Hananiah broke this yoke off Jeremiah's neck, right? Like, if a guy wants to wear a yoke, maybe you let him wear a yoke. Not Hananiah. He says, the Lord's going to break this yoke. We're going to be set free claimed that within two years, Israel would be returning, all the temple equipment would be returned, the things that had been stolen would be brought back, 
and Israel would be restored. Although that it was oppressed now, it will be restored. That was the promise that Hananiah had made, and he spoke and said, God had given me this word, and we're going to break this yoke, and we're going to come back. <laughs> In the last verse of chapter 28, Hananiah dies, and the exiles are still in Babylon. But that message, though, right? Like the, the, the excitement that people must have felt when Hananiah broke that yoke off Jeremiah's neck. When people have good news, it, people like to repeat that good news. When people say good things, when people promise or prophesy good news, people get excited. Kind of sounds like a good, a good campaign promise, right? It sounds like a good plan. I, I'm encouraged by that. I, I, I would want to know that guy. I want to know Hananiah. I want to follow Hananiah. That sounds like a good thing is happening. This is what we want. There's only one thing. It didn't turn out to be a message from God. It was a message from Hananiah. I think Hananiah had gotten good at saying what he thought people would want to hear, wanted to encourage the people. We're going back, y'all. We're going back to Israel, back to our place in the world, back to, to our roots, back to finding our place. Babylon's not going to hold us back. And Jeremiah had to respond. Jeremiah, led by the Lord, had to respond couldn't take it. So he writes this letter to, to all the exiles that, that had already been displaced, the people from Israel, the people from Judah and Jerusalem that had been taken up into the Babylonian empire, carted off. More are on their way, <laughs> but for now, to those that are there. I, and I wonder, as those people received news these people who had heard Hananiah say, hey, within two years, we're going to be out of here. And they got the message, hey, Jeremiah has sent a letter. He sent a letter. I wonder what their expectation was, right? They had just been excited. Hananiah had said, hey, it's going to be two years. Of course, he passed away. <laughs> but when the news came, the guy ran in with the mail back. And look, there's one from Jeremiah. Israel's prophet had sent a message to those that had been in exile, those that had been carted off. And I wonder what they hoped for. I wonder what they thought about the, the fact that Jeremiah had written. I wonder what their hope was. I suspect this isn't in the text. Like, Jeremiah's going to tell us. Only got a year and a half left. It's coming. We're going to blow this popsicle stand. We're out of here, right? And they go to open the letter. And what do they find? What do they find in this letter? Not words of defiance. Not fight the big bad Babylon. Not, not host sit-ins and do peaceful protests and, and, and be a pain in Babylon's side until they let us go. Harken back to, to Moses, right? And Egypt, how did they get out? They had the, the plagues. They were a thorn in Pharaoh's side. 
And Moses stood up and said, let my people go. And I wonder if the people of Israel were counting on that story in Babylon. Instead, what do they get? Build houses. Settle down. Grow and cultivate gardens. I would have been lost. I don't know how to do that. Marry, have kids. Start living your lives where you find yourself. Because this is going to last for a little while. And, and I mean, so far, up to, up to verse 6, or up to, verse, uh, up to that point where he talks about having kids, we're talking about our lifetimes, right? We could be talking five years, maybe ten years talking minor adjustments, and then he says, help your kids find spouses so they can have kids. Increase in number. Don't let your Israelite identity, don't let this clan, this tribe dwindle away and diminish to nothing. And all of a sudden it hits upon their consciousness that Jeremiah is saying, we're going to be here a long time. We're talking about our kids, kids. And the risk of exile is that we lose our identity. That's why they ship us out. That's why they take us away so that so the Israelite community and culture will begin to fade. And that's the risk of exile. And Jeremiah is saying, don't let this happen. But he's also saying, we're in this for the long haul. It's going to take time. It's going to take years. It's going to last generations that we're here in Babylon. And it's right here that I want to, I want to break out of the lectionary and skip down to the famous verse. And some of you know what I'm talking about in Jeremiah 29. Um, and, and in case it's not highlighted or circled or underlined in your Bible, it's, it's Jeremiah 29.11. Now, I memorized this in the NIV, so it's not going to match up with the common English Bible, but it goes like this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. How many of you have heard this before? Several of you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Yes. Everybody loves that verse. I call it the college verse. Everybody in college loves this verse. They want to know that God has a future for them that's good, that's beneficial. I'm sure money is involved, right? Because they're college kids and they don't have any <clears throat> money's involved in, in a fulfilling job, maybe even a ring by spring with a loving spouse. And Mostly college kids want all of this because they don't have any of it. But Jeremiah 29 pours it on. If you keep reading, it says, you will call and I will listen. It says, seek and you'll find. Just seek with all your heart. It says, I will be found and I will bring you back. I will gather you from all the nations <clears throat> and bring you back to the very place <clears throat> from which you were exiled. Yes, that's what I want. 
I mean, sing a song, dismiss church, let's go home. Yeehaw, right? Like, that's what we want to hear in our moments of pain, in our moments of exile, when we're down and when we're out and when life is really hard. I want all those things, Jeremiah 29, 11, all the way through 14. You can see why it's the college verse. But the crazy part is verse 10, which people don't like to quote verse 10 quite as much. When you search for a verse about plans, about hope, about prosperity, about having a hope in a future, verse 10 doesn't show up. But what does it say? <laughs> the Lord proclaims, when Babylon's 70 years are up, I will come. <laughs> Poor college kids, <laughs> right? If you, if you figure this out, they're, they're about 20 and as long as they read chapter, verse 10, 70 years, and then all of this comes true. So by age 90, college kids, all of this will be fulfilled. Hooray. I mean, it's still good. But I don't think that's what they had in mind. Everything in this chapter, everything in this chapter is about the long story of God coming to fruition in our lives, the long arc, the long game of investment. This chapter isn't really full of hope as much as we like to think it is. We thought we had two years. Hananiah had told us two years, two years. The yoke was going to be broken, and we were headed back to Jerusalem jumps to a bunch of years involving generations. We can be patient. We can wait. We can take a long time to see God's fulfillment of the promises that he has. Okay, I'll go that far. I'll, I'll stay in this wretched place called Babylon for a period of time. But Lord, may you make these promises come true. And I'll endure and put up with Babylon. And then we get to verse 7. And then we get to verse 7. Promote the welfare of the city in which you were sent to exile. Pray for it. Pray for it. Your future depends upon the lifeblood of this city. Pour your lives into it. May it be truly blessed by God because you're there. Your future. <laughs> and all of these people who are opening this letter from Jeremiah with all this expectation are like, what? Now we have to pray for it? That's like praying for the enemy. I have them in my notes. That's like praying for the Blue Jays. How in the world? No way. You've got to be kidding me right now. This really, truly can't be the word from God. But it is. But it is. When I was serving as pastor in, in Centralia, um, 
before I came uh, to be lead pastor here, um, I used to lead worship. Uh, it was part of my, my job and my role there. Um, and there was this song that I used to sing in Centralia um, called Where I Belong, written by uh, two Jasons, Jason Ingram and Jason Roy. I don't know them. Um, but <laughs> as I was preparing this week, I, I, I just really couldn't shake this song out of my head. Um, and the funny thing is, I, I, really, I really didn't like this song. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. I'm actually going to show you why, because um, I'm going to sing a little bit of it, as long as I don't get this untangled a little bit. Um, I don't usually do this in the middle of my sermon, so this is something new. But um, there's a song that they had written, um, and the chorus of the song is what just kept sticking in my mind as, we, as I prepared for um, service today. Um, and we're going to put the lyrics up on the screen, but I want to just sing the chorus of this song. This is how it goes. Oh. I know I'm not home yet, this is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus, this is not where I belong. Maybe you've heard this song on the radio before. Um, but in this chorus, I just had this sense of, of trying to understand where I belong, where, where I fit in, where God has for me. And, and I feel like the people who got sent to Babylon resonated with these words. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. This is, this is not what God had for me. So, so take all that this world has to offer and, you know, we talk about giving me Jesus, obviously. This is ancient Israel. Jesus wasn't on the scene yet. And yet they wanted their ancient practices, their rituals, their worship in the temple, and, and all that they were used to. And they're saying, I'm done with Babylon. Let me worship God. And so... While I like the song and I like the tune, I really struggled with this chorus and the message that it sent. So I just changed the words, um, which is fine. The Jason and Jason don't know. They, again, they're, they live somewhere else, so they never came to worship with us. Uh, but I was like, there's a, there's a message in this song that's very true and very applicable. So every time we sang this song, we would sing the chorus this way. But we would add a second part to this chorus. And every time I sang this song, I, I wouldn't sing the first verse or the first chorus without my section of the chorus that I think um, speaks a little truer to who we're called to be in this world in which we live. This is how it goes. Oh, all I know is I'm not home yet, but this is right where I belong, serve this world, give them Jesus, this is right, where I belong, right where I belong. God's put us in this place, 
in this situation, in this time, in this community for a reason. And that sometimes we feel a little out of place. Sometimes we feel like this isn't the end of our story. Praise God. There's something new that he has for us. I had a friend, he was my next door neighbor. We shared a front yard because we lived on a cul-de-sac. I mean, we literally shared a front yard. He said, yeah, this world's just a campground. This world's just a campground. And yet he poured his life into students through Young Life Ministry every day because he was right where God had placed him. This is what Israel had to deal with. This is where they are now. Not to turn up their noses, not to condemn and fight and protest and grumble and complain, but to plant gardens, to have children, grow their families. This is where they were, for better or for worse. And and the invitation for you and the invitation for me is abundantly clear. This is our home. This is where we're planted now. And I I hope there's a sense of us that feels a little out of place in this world, a little out of place with with what's going on and, and how people treat each other at times. We live in a fallen and broken world, amen? And yet this is where God has placed us right now. We're right where we belong. Not because we agree with everything that happens, but to see this broken world and to say, I may not have a lot, but what I have, I can give. To serve this world and to give them Jesus. That is what we are called to do each and every day. Amen? Amen. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for our church family. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back on up. We're going to sing to close this service. Sometimes we may feel so out of place, literally like we are in exile. What in the world is going on in this place? What in the world is going on all around us? (laughs) The streets are unfamiliar. The natives aren't particularly friendly at times, right? We don't know how to act. We don't know what to say. We don't understand the culture. But let me tell you what we do. We plant gardens. Cultivate the soil. We grow our families. We grow our connections with our neighbors. And because God instructs us, we will pray for the abundant welfare of the place in which we find ourselves because we are right where we belong, church. Amen? Let's live that way this week, this month, this year. Let's live like we are right where we belong. The church needs this attitude, not to be assimilated into the world, but to be Christ's agent of redemption and change and grace and love in the world to which we belong. Amen and amen. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this passage that that just speaks to us. It it was meant for, for Israel 
Israelites that were displaced and out of place in, in, a, in a new land, in a new country, feeling far away from home. And yet today we receive it for us. May we live as invested agents of Christ all of our days. Help us to love well those around us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You hear the words of Jesus, not so with you. Not so with you. Don't, don't neglect, even when you feel out of place, don't neglect the investment of right where you're at. I hear them ringing loud and clear today. Would you stand, those who are willing and able, to receive this morning's benediction? We just invite you in this place to, to hold out your hands as a physical reminder that we receive this prayer of blessing and benediction today. Lord, make us aware of your call in our lives to live fully and completely right where we find ourselves. Make us thriving exiles in this world that we live in today. For you and for your kingdom's sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.